0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. We are four friends in three states across two time zones with a shared passion. Welcome to the Sports Talk Garage Podcast, where we hit the fast lane to discuss our favorite drives from the track and the ice to the court and the ball fields. We are four lifelong friends who grew up with a love of professional and collegiate sports. Today, we are bankers, investors, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs, as we give you our perspective on those last live lead changes, game-winning scores, and franchise players. This is the Sports Talk Garage. Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 24 of the Sports Talk Garage Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John, here with my co-host, Matt. David, unfortunately, is going to have to take the week off again this week, as uh, he still has the plague down in North Carolina. So <laughs> we uh, hope you're feeling better soon, but We miss you. But, Matt, how's it going? How's your week starting off?
1: Well, I can say that I don't have the plague, so that's a positive <laughs> Um But you know what? Super Bowl happened. Uh, I had a friend come over with a smoker and made about six pounds, six or eight pounds of wings. Uh, You know, shout out to Steven. So that was pretty awesome and uh, made his own marinade and all that kind of stuff, Applewood smoke. So it was was pretty solid. I can't complain. How about you?
0: Uh, Yeah, it was a weird Super Bowl. Probably the first time in my adult life that I uh, didn't really do anything at all for it. So, you know. Early start time with a young child, uh, you have to make life adjustments. So, we just kind of hung out and, um, you know, watched as best as I could. I had to go back and rewatch some parts of it today just to, uh, see what I missed. But yeah, it was good. And, uh, just life's, uh, obviously very different now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're making do. So, but yeah, it's Monday and it was, hey, the other thing is it was 50 something degrees yesterday in Chicago. So, I mean, yeah, this is like we're we're breaking uh, records here. Usually it's record cold, but now we're breaking record warm. So all that global warming or climate change or whatever is doing something up here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So all in all, pretty pretty good week.
0: Yeah. Uh so let's throw the green flag. I think we got a couple of things to talk about tonight, but I think first let's get into uh, the game last night, the big game. Um, what do you think of it? Just kind of initial reactions.
1: Honestly, uh, you know, I I think I said last week defense wins championships and I was I don't have a dog in the fight, but I was kind of rooting for San Francisco simply for uh the defensive aspect versus a straight offensive shootout. I think offense is a little more exciting, but um you know, there wasn't I, I think San Francisco set a really good pace defensively when they put uh Kansas City out with a 3 and out in the first drive um and it it definitely had Mahomes looking off his shoulder for uh Bosa coming off that defensive end position uh you know and you could tell that the first like 2 to 3 series now when he finally kind of calmed down got into his normal stride great but he was definitely watching the defense uh very warily when his first pass got tipped by Bosa coming right off the edge yeah um I, you know I thought there was his normal and we've talked about this in the past, you know at any given time, there's usually about a four yard break between any of his receivers and defenders, you know, and he had some bad plays with that, but for the most part, honestly, I thought that it was a pretty solid evenly built game um but San Francisco just not being able to close it out and walking away from their run game at the end, I think costs them a lot when they're averaging what feels like 10 yards of carry, uh, you know, with some of the best run game in the, in the field right now. And then they walk away from that and just try to like do these emergency passes with Garoppolo. That's, you know, he's a good field manager, but I just don't see him as, you know, Mahomes that that really knows how to make that passing game fly.
0: Dude, what is it with uh, Shanahan and just dumb play-calling moves, especially when he gets a lead in, in the Super Bowl? I mean, he's got the league's top rushing attack going against a bottom-five rush defense. as has a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and he's throwing passing plays left and right. Like, uh, dude, what? <laughs> haven't you learned your lesson from prior Super Bowls? Uh,
1: you know, that's always been a good question. I think with Shanahan, it's – and it comes down to the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter is what's been killing him. Do you remember what the stat was? I want to say Chris sent that over to us earlier.
0: Yeah, I've got it here. It's so um, in the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan's teams in quarters one through three of the Super Bowl have outscored their opponents 48 to 19 in the th- in the first three quarters of the game. Then Kyle Shanahan teams in the fourth quarter or overtime of the Super Bowl have been outscored by their opponent. 46 to nothing. Jeez.
1: So So. in, uh,
0: in one quarter, they are giving up almost as many points as they did in quarters one through three in these combined Super Bowls and have yet to score a single point. None of his teams have yet to see to score a single point in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's just shocking to me. Right. (laughs) And both other times he had, massive freaking leads massive leads I mean 10 points I guess is a massive but last time was he had a massive lead and you know doing a play calling there and I I don't know what's up and it's it's kind of shocking um to me that should be like a big storyline today and and not so much as some of the other things but yeah I mean the game itself I agree like I was surprised that you know, San Francisco again, like this, like they just decided not to run the ball. I don't think at all, hardly in the fourth quarter. And we've seen time and time again, Kansas City Chiefs can come back. Uh, I think they've been down in what every single game this playoff, and right. have come back and, and multiple times now have made double double digit recoveries. Um, you know, it's like you're down what 20-10, and then you score 21 straight points in the fourth quarter to to reign in. I thought the the play call or the excuse me the time management in addition to the play calling like it was a little funky, you know thinking at the end of the half things like that. It's like Shanahan got complacent. Um, you know you let it seemed like he let the foot off the the gas. They definitely had an opportunity to really strive for seven, and honestly, they got lucky, really really lucky to even get three points. Well, when out your of that defense last drive.
1: right when your defense does a pick six, which really looked like that was shutting the door on Kansas City. I mean you know kudos to uh coach reed and mahomes turning around the offense and saying look we're gonna go get this uh it's it's a big deal it's you know it's time to knuckle down get to work and go get a ring out of this and they, that's exactly what happened
0: yeah yeah i mean i uh going back to your dog in the fight i i agree i didn't have a dog in the fight either um usually even like I feel strongly one way or the other about one of these teams, even if it's not like a team that I support, but yeah, I was kind of leaning towards San Francisco a little bit with that defense. Um, I'm kind of happy. I mean, I'm happy that Andy Reid got him, got him a ring. Um, You know, I saw today, someone said that this definitely has cemented his hall of fame bid and yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah, he's got what, 222 career wins, uh, many 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 a playoff appearances and finally has you know a ring to show for it so i gotta think he's gonna go down the hall of fame for sure um but yeah i mean it was just well, i think I, one of our prop bets
1: game. for next year needs to be the uh the color of the gatorade they went with yeah. the stereotypical orange for this year uh yeah,
0: something maybe we'd see like a
1: green a red, or something weird
0: <laughs> maybe like a fruit punch red or something you know for mm. for cheese colors that's but, good. But um, I mean, the other thing I want to talk about. So we we mentioned earlier about with Garoppolo and, and Mahomes. I mean, neither one of these guys really looked good in my personal opinion. Um, you know, I guess it goes back to some of that defense. But Mount Mah- or Garoppolo had to throw the ball more times this game than he did in the prior two, which is another thing about Shanahan. So he they made a living on rushing throughout the entire playoffs. Garoppolo really didn't throw the ball hardly any this out this playoff until the freaking Super Bowl, and then he throws the ball thirty-one times. And you know, that's not a tremendous amount, but when you've got a formula that's working and you got a friggin' ten point lead, why go against it? So, you know, two hundred and twenty completions for two hundred and nineteen yards, through two picks, and then on the other side you got uh Mahomes, you know, supposed to be the, the powerhouse, you know, the greatest thing on planet Earth. And he's got 26 completions for 286. It does have two touchdowns, but also has two picks. Um, and both these guys just kind of seem like they are off the entire game. So I don't know. I mean does does the MVP of going to Mahomes surprise you at all? I mean I know they like to give to quarterbacks and all. It's but... always
1: going to the quarterbacks. Does it surprise me? No, not at all. When when you're the guy that's telling the creators at EA that your character on Madden should be a 100. You basically just set yourself up right there. <laughs> there, There's not much else to be said about it. Um, so, no, I'm not surprised at all, because who's, who's next on that side? Tyreek Hill, because it doesn't go to the loser. It doesn't matter how good a game the losing team had. They don't get the MVP.
0: Yeah, well, so looking at the stats, there's there's three guys, I think, that could could have been eligible for this. Uh, obviously you mentioned truck, uh, tree kill. Um, I don't want him to win anything. So I don't like the guy, but nine receptions for 105 yards. He had almost 12 yards per reception. Uh, you know, so, and then Sammy Watkins, five receptions for 98 yards had almost 20 yards per reception. Those two guys alone could definitely do on the passing side. And then Damian Williams from, you know, on the running side, 17 carries 104 yards, 6.1 Six point one yards a carry, I mean, dang, <laughs> and a touchdown. I honestly, I feel like he really is the one. In my personal opinion, was the one that deserved the MVP. I don't think Mahomes had that good a game, and I know that we're gonna hear about it to the end of time about you know the draft class with you know Watkins and Mahomes and Trubisky and all this crap and how great Mahomes is and blah blah blah. But I didn't see that that you know that lightning bolt that we usually see with Mahomes in the the high-flying offense. There's a couple of things here and there, but, I mean, he hit a couple of guys that just happen to be wide open because we've talked about in prior episodes how he is the, literally statistically the best um, receiving core in the NFL about getting separation. So, again, if you can't hit a guy that's got four-plus yards on their defender, then you shouldn't be in the NFL – and, like, some of the ones with, like, Tariq and stuff, I mean, the guys are wide open. He was, you know, scrambling around. They had enough protection back there that these guys could run around and find an empty spot. So, I I'm, I i am don't think it should have been him. But, you yeah, know, well, I guess what does that matter? Maybe we should throw out a Twitter poll and see what people think about that.
1: Oh, we absolutely should. <laughs> okay, I'm going to throw one out there for you, though. I mean, let's, let's take a step over to San Francisco real quick because – you know, between the two of them, I'm almost going to say that the ball was spread around more by San Francisco than it was by, uh, Mahomes at Kansas city. Um, and I'm kind of throwing this in there because I'm going to lead up to say that the fullback and I can never pronounce his name. Kyle Jushik, is kind of the stud on their side. In my personal opinion, he's like the, the wild card of the offense, right? Um, Definitely got a receiving touchdown. Uh, and he almost had a second one, really. But, I mean, it was just kind of a, a strong – so he goes, let's see, three targets, three catches, 39 yards, and a touchdown. So he's averaging 13 yards on the receiving end. But this is a guy that, like, one of three teams is running a true fullback. And you played fullback in oh, yeah. high school. I love seeing the fullback come back. So – one of three teams is doing that. And he's definitely stepped up as a stud of a player. He had great blocks. So if I'm going to give an MVP out, I'm giving it to him. Like I understand George Kittle was, was solid. That's pretty normal. Um, You know, Debo Samuel got a lot of great looks. Let's see. He was targeted nine times. So he had the most targets, but he only got five catches for 39 yards. Now he had three rushes for 53 yards. But I mean, that's what I was saying. It it seemed like they were getting 10 yards of carry on the rushing almost. That's what it felt like. But again, you're you're talking about this fullback that, you know, is blocking like crazy is running like crazy uh, catching and, you know, doing a turnaround to what some of the top catching running backs are getting in one of the toughest matchups that we've seen in a while, or I should say most even matchups we've seen in a while. So, I you know if you're asking me about MVP, I almost want to
0: give it to him. Where has a fullback ever won an MVP? <laughs> Probably not. I'd have to look that up, but I'm gonna say no. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's it's always always a quarterback. It seems like, but yeah, we're out to throw that on, out on Twitter and see what Twitter Nation, what you guys have to think about uh, the MVP selection is, and if there's others you feel like are more deserving, but um. The other thing that came out today was, I don't know if you saw it, but Skip Bayless, um, he said that the 49ers should cut Jimmy Garoppolo and sign Tom Brady. What's your gut reaction to that comment? I,
1: I'm I'm screwing up my face right now in like that. <laughs> why? You know, you've got pretty good. Okay, so let let's say that the best case scenario is you get Brady for two years. Okay, let's just say that you have enough budget uh, in the cap space, whatever, and you sign him for two years. Okay, he's already struggled. Now, you've got a great offensive line. So great. Let's just say you don't lose anybody. So all best case scenario, you don't lose anybody on the offense. You just, you know, cut. Garoppolo out and bring in Brady.
0: What exactly are you gaining? Yeah, I mean, that one. It confused me a little bit. I know he's talking about how Garoppolo had some weaknesses throughout the playoffs. And yeah, I agree. I mean, he I felt like a game manager throughout the playoffs. You know, he, again, we talked about a second ago how little he actually had to throw the ball um, for them to win because that defense and that rushing game were so freaking stout. They really didn't have to do much to get them there. And, he honestly didn't have to do as much as they, you know, Shanahan made him do in the in the Super Bowl, um, and it, it bit him. I mean, he was off target multiple times, obviously the picks and everything else. So Shanahan, or excuse me, uh, Bayless is talking about how that um, if you look at how the contract is is structured, that's the interesting thing. So Grappolo signed a five year, one hundred thirty seven point five million dollar contract with the with the Niners last year. But the crazy thing is the way they structured this thing, which I didn't know until today, is that they could actually release him tomorrow, essentially, and their only cap hit would be four point two million dollars. What? So yeah, the way the way this deal is structured. So, I mean, I if they want to cut him and he wants to come somebody back, somebody sleep you at know, the wheel Illinois, for that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that that i don't know i'm a little surprised that his agent let that fly right but uh you know if you want to come back to the to your hometown and you know be an illinois boy again and come to the bears and you know come on over i like pick to him up TV competition
1: you just you <laughs> yeah, just carolina
0: needs a quarterback
1: right you just basically ran entire grouping now like you said it wasn't the best passing game in the world but he's You know, he's got his games, but it feels like he's more of a field manager, which, you know, any team could use that needs a quarterback right now. Um, But, uh, you know, he's got some decent weapons in various places, but they're definitely established as a running team. So, and when they walked away from that game plan, that hurt him. So, I I guess if you bring in Brady, you get a little bit more passing versus Team Ray, but let's be honest, he doesn't have that same – as youthful as he looks this last year, he certainly hasn't been as youthful on that arm or decision-making
0: process. Yeah.
1: And it's not just because the offensive line uh,
0: still laughing about the rumors of him going to Oakland because they have literally (laughs) no receiving core. I can't see that happening, but all right, before we move on away from the super, anything else you want to touch? Uh, Well, I I think there's a little things.
1: I think there were two things that, that San Francisco, if you come down to the plays, could have made a big difference. One was the end of the first half. Uh, You know, you're giving – you're talking about Kittle here basically having the opportunity to catch a big ball that would have put a score of some sort on the board at the end of the first half. Uh, And I think that push-off call was was fair – but only because he extended his hand just enough that the referee. So I'm saying it was a decent call. Uh, you know, obviously Shanahan was pretty upset, but that could have been a major game changer because they also walked out with the ball in the second half. So just think if you scored, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal, you know, you're coming out pumped up for the second half and you get the ball. So that yeah. could have made a big difference. The other was right at the end of the game when the clock hit the, the game clock hit zero and he had the opportunity, if they would have called the ball dead and given the five-yard penalty, that still would have given them another opportunity to go for it. Um, from what I understand, because I had a couple conversations about this today, what the referees are taught is to look at the clock, and when the clock hits zero, look down at the ball, and if the ball is starting to move or has moved by the center's hand at all by that point, when they look down, they're supposed to let it play. If that's the rule and that's the way that they stuck it, they did they did that perfectly. Personally, I was sitting there like, delay of game, delay of game, delay of game.
0: Anybody? Yeah, so that's the thing. Like It felt to me like at least three or four seconds past the zero mark. And you could see, like, the the backstage is actually running towards with his whistle in his mouth just about. He's, like, practically raising his arms to, like, call this play off when it finally goes. And you're right. Had he had that happen, I mean, it, maybe we have a different game here. It's almost like, you know, all the entire friggin' season we've been complaining about how the NFL and their stupid roles and the officiating has been friggin' atrocious this year Uh, i think probably every team in the league can name several multiple plays where they were absolutely screwed by the nfl this year and then the one time they don't call something is the the time they probably should have
1: (laughs) right so again if that's the rule if that's what they're taught okay wonderful because i guess you know then it comes down to what you're seeing because he definitely the referee was bringing the whistle up to his mouth Go back and watch the play again. He's got that whistle coming up. So obviously he saw movement. So again, depends on what they're taught, depends on what they're told. That's what I came to understand for the rule. So but again, those two plays could have made a big difference in San Francisco's game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um so one last thing before we move on. What'd you think of the commercials? Any uh standouts <laughs> for you? Um, great question.
1: Uh, I think the Doritos commercial was probably one of my favorite. You know, Lil Nas X, uh, Sam Elliott and um, Billy Ray Cyrus, you know, they're having a competition. Well, Billy Ray comes in at the very end, but Sam Elliott and Lil Nas X are having this little competition between themselves, and it comes down to the horses at the end. And you know, Sam Elliott turns around, good old cowboy looks at the horse, and he's like, nah course, <laughs> like no way no nope. so it was kind of a kind of a funny one for that um you know i think the tide pod commercials just got so old so fast
0: yeah that was just kind
1: of ridiculous uh, you know i'm trying to think what else was really funny the the Facebook group, I wasn't expecting. I, you know, I was just kind of going, all right, so you guys spent, because I think it was $11 million for a one minute, one minute commercial. I'm like, all right, so you guys spent over $10 million on a commercial for a bunch of people just to kind of have what, uh, you know, their group show up on Facebook.
0: Well, you had the, the Sylvester cameo there at the end. Correct. Chris <laughs> Rock Rocky. and Sylvester Stallone. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. you now we spent money. Never mind. we We got actors. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and i hope i don't take your thunder with this one i you know it definitely came down to me with the nfl commercial they are spending their money on getting these commercials right uh last year it was the banquet and they had people oh, diving yeah, yeah. all over the tables and breaking them and cake flying and all that stuff to catch the gold ball
0: i and remember year... last year we were like who who was the the woman and then yeah. it was the It just shows our age now. It was, you know, the the now woman, the little girl back in the day that was, like, running all over the football field, like, juking and jiving past all these boys in Pee Wee football. So that was cool. We didn't know at the time who that was, but I remember us talking about that now. Right. We
1: had to go look it up.
0: Um,
1: And, you know, this year it came down to uh, the little kid that was going from city to city to city to city. Uh, you know, and they had a couple things, and I'm trying to remember who the two old quarterbacks were. Um, I think it was insane. know Saint they have, um,
0: um, they had Steve Young. And, That's it, uh, Montana. So Network. Steve Young and
1: Montana, look at Garoppolo, and
0: they're like, grab the bag, kid. <laughs> and
1: Garoppolo he's just like, stares get, at
0: him. He's like, give him a tip, Jared. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh that was gosh. pretty funny. Yeah. I, I thought it was...
1: was like some kind of toss out to like LBJ as a kid based on the kid's hair color. But then they perfectly time it up to him walking out, I'm like, oh he's real. <laughs> it's a real person.
0: Yeah, I, I liked I I have especially since it was basically the first like commercial of the quote unquote game. Um I thought the NFL did a great job. I really like the fact that like they showcase pretty much every city and fan base in the league. Um You know, you can see it going, like, through Chicago, through the cornfields, Green Bay, like, from city to city to city, across the way. I thought that was cool. You know, you got to see uh, Peanut Tillman on there, you know, all kinds of just legends. And, obviously, I personally love the fact how it ended with uh, Virginia McCaskey there at the end, basically saying, you know, um, George House's uh, daughter and, you know, founder of the the freaking NFL 100 years ago. And uh, there she is standing there at the end of the tunnel telling him, you know what to do. Um, so I thought that was, you know, you got the daughter of the, you know, of the founder of the NFL and obviously owner of the Bears just there. how You know, handing the, the football or taking the football away last time and telling him to go do what he needs to do. So, yeah, I thought that was really dang cool. I went back and watched it several times actually uh, just because I, I thought it was neat. I want to go back and catch a little, little, uh, Nuances of of the or the, of the commercials. So yeah, I thought they did a great job last year and this year on that one for sure. Yep. Uh, Jim Brown, Ray Lewis, uh, Derwin James, and Jalen
1: Ramsey were construction workers. Uh, yeah, Alvin yeah, yeah. Alvin Kamara uh, injured the parade performer, and you know then Jimmy Garoppolo carrying the the bags. You know, big highlights for that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, really great. Um, yeah. That was probably the, my favorite. I went back and watched like some of the you know top ten alerts. Um, obviously, the Bill Murray one on Groundhog Day because yep. yesterday it was Groundhog Day. I thought that was kind of funny.
1: The Jeep commercial,
0: uh, yeah, the Jeep, the yeah. Hyundai commercial was the SmartPak. Uh That was kind of funny. Um, yeah, a couple other ones, but I oh overall, I forgot about I thought,
1: that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. Overall, I thought the commercials were a little weak this year compared to some years past but um okay
1: so you're an audi fan and i think last year was it last year they did that their super e-car it was was Uh, a concept car last
0: year and then this year year.
1: how did you feel about the one from this year did you see it
0: yeah (laughs) Uh, i mean it wasn't my favorite last year i thought was was significantly better um of course my wife was like oh how much is that car I'm like more than we're spending. <laughs> She's like, price it out, and I'm like, uh, that's gonna be about seventy eight thousand dollars. Get a suburban, some something. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, for a car that has a two hundred mile range. if in the case, I just get a damn Tesla. Right. But, um. Yeah. I. It wasn't my uh my favorite, and like I said, overall, I I didn't love the commercials. It's been that way last years. So I feel like there's been a few like highlight ones, and, the, and then a whole bunch of like, meh. But, uh, the NFL one certainly made up for it. And, uh, well, I'll throw out that Sonata did good.
1: I'll throw out one more funny one that you just can't unsee. And that was the Jason Momoa, uh, commercial.
0: Oh yeah. So, you know, he takes off
1: the arms and you're like, okay, takes off the, you know, the body plate and you can tell he's just wearing CG like crazy. And of course, the funniest part is at the very end when he's trying to bench and it's like nothing on the bar and it, you know, he's asking for a spot and the, almost kills him kind of thing but he takes the hair off and you're like oh you can't unsee that
0: that's just uh." you know it wasn't weird before but it is now so anyway i think the other one that i saw um that i liked was the um brian cranston one uh going back from what was that from the shining where he's uh yeah the The mountain Dew commercial yeah, I, I thought it was a cool touch at the end. Whereas, like in the movie, it's like the blood rushes in. And on this one, it's the Mountain Dew rushes down the hallway, and then he turns into like two little twin girls. I was like, all right, that's pretty funny. <laughs> so Mountain Dew and Doritos always seem to, to to bring it home pretty well. But anyways,
1: yep. Bud Light's right, finally so... lost it because how many jokes can you run on Coke Energy?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh... I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That was uh, brief and uneventful." <laughs> All right. So moving on, we'll have to uh, save our commercial talk for another 364 days. Um, moving on. So the big 10 made a proposal, I guess it is to dramatically change how college athletes are allowed to transfer from school to school. Um, Matt, can you, Give real fast, tell us like some of the background on how the transfer portal works and what exactly are they proposing here?
1: Okay, so I think the biggest thing to pay attention to at this point is the talk that we've been seeing over and over for the past about what four months now of players need to get paid. You know, California really just throwing down the gauntlet and now all the states are taking this up. So especially the big division one schools, uh, you know, if you think about it, the bigger the school, the more TV time, the more jurors you're going to sell, so the more money you're going to make, right? So, John, you have your – I mean, let's just say you have your choice. Don't, don't put anything into this whatsoever on who these teams are. Pick your top two schools that you would go to that's going to make you the most money. For a football team? Yep. Most I mean, airtime, most like, – I
0: don't like either one of them, but right now I guess, I mean – Well, I'll throw out three. It would have to be Bama, Clemson, or LSU, I guess, right now for me. Okay. But it's probably not. It's probably like Michigan and Ohio State or something like that.
1: Right. Okay, so take those five,
0: right? Those five having probably the
1: biggest contracts. SEC is getting ready to sign a big contract. I think it was CBS right now, and so they'll split all that money out amongst the schools. Uh, Ohio – or, I'm sorry, Big Ten, Network, uh, and I think they're trying to work on a deal between, like, Disney – abc kind of thing so again just think about that right so we've got all these athletes that are getting paid a ton of money as of right now um and we saw a lot of transfers this year right as of right now you get to go into the portal so you kind of look at your school and say look for whatever reason i want to transfer and what we've seen for the most part is usually the guys that are uh i mean look at burrow right has the opportunity to Ohio State but maybe you just don't fit in the program quite how you want it to and I transferred out of the NCAA so you know I kind of have an idea around because I looked inside the NCAA at a couple different schools uh but when you take a look at that and you go all right I want to go out what the use what the former standing point was you have to sit a year so if you transfer from the NCAA into another school in the NCAA you're going to sit for a year now the the school slash coach can kind of waive that and say you know we're we're fine with you transferring especially if you're not transferring in the conference is kind of where you would find that um, or not a direct competition but if you're transferring to a comp- competitive school so like you said Ohio State to Michigan or vice versa um, let's say you go from like Clemson to I don't know Georgia um, Georgia to Bama you know, some of these bigger schools that are in direct connection with each other, you're going to sit for a year because there's no way that the school is going to just say, hey, as <laughs> an athletic department, uh, we have no problem with you transferring directly to the competition. OK, so the two ways that you can kind of get around this is one through a personal protest, basically, which means you're going to get a lawyer involved or two, the school that you're transferring to asking for a waiver. So what that all kind of comes down and breaks down to is if you really want to go somewhere else, you know, the other school can't approach, cannot approach you and basically just say, we want to take you. Uh, So at this point now you're looking at how do I get around this? And I'm not even getting into how some of these guys transferred around out of these big division one schools last year and then, you know, end up playing in the, the college playoff. Uh, cause some of their stories with these lawyers just get kind of nutty, but you know, got them through. Okay. So now enter the big 10. So the big 10 says, you know what, forget that whole process. Why don't we just go ahead and allow one free transfer? Cause we're not, you know, and they are graduate students. I think that's something worth mentioning too. So, um, John, let's say that you, you sign on with, um, I don't know, LSU. Right. LSU, uh, you get registered your freshman year, so you have an extra year of eligibility. You go ahead and get your four year degree. You know, you're not going to play. You graduate with your normal class. I don't know. You said what, Alabama, Alabama has an opening for your position. They really want you Um, and you decide to transfer. At that point, they can basically, as as long as there's nothing kind of holding back or anything, they'll they'll allow you to transfer. As long as you fit in with eligibility standards, there's no real hold. Okay, so grad students kind of get away with it. So now the Big Ten just throws out there and says, let's give them one free transfer, whatever that is, into another school. No holds barred, no questions asked. John, what do you see as a problem
0: with that? Uh that's a good question. Cause like I've honestly been in favor of kind of student athletes being able to do whatever they want to do. Um like, you know, my stance on the NCAA and their lovely quote unquote self-imposed police force that they throw out there. My question I had that you may know had kind of fallen into your question is so does it have to be Big Ten to be Big Ten or can another conference, uh, you know, player, like can an ACC player hop in and this would be eligible for them to hop in to Big Ten team? Like let's say they're going from Clemson to Ohio State. You know, is that possible? Is that yeah. part of this proposal?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's There's no – really what the Big Ten is saying is just like,
0: they're basically throwing
1: down the same gauntlet that California did with with we should pay the athlete side. The Big Ten's just kind of saying, "You know what? If people want to transfer? Let them transfer. Give them one free one, no you know, no one year holds, just immediate transfer, no appeals. Just there you go." So yeah, you could you could transfer anywhere you want. The only one right now that people aren't really talking much about is the Pac-12. But if the Pac-12 starts throwing some numbers down because they're kind of out West where all this money's coming down. Uh, And you start seeing players kind of move from that Ohio state or uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama, LSU out to the West. Does that make the PAC 12 a new player?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you're talking about like, you know, again, we talked about a second ago, some of these States throwing out legislation to allow college athletes to get paid suddenly if you can also transfer without any kind of issue then you're gonna have like the metaphorical gold rush uh going out to for college athletes just players willy-nilly just transferring to whoever's willing to pay them the most money <laughs> without yeah. really any kind of consequence to it
1: okay so what happens if you have to sit for a year so let's say that you find this school sophomore year or even junior year, you know, you can transfer in your fourth year cause you redshirted, So you've got at least two years of eligibility left. Right. Um, let's say that you found the school that you want. Let's give it a Joe Burrow case. Right. Yeah. Um, but you have to sit for a year. So you've gone from your likeness where maybe you're getting paid a little bit, but now you have to sit for a year and, your lightness really isn't being used because you're sitting. Worth it? Because if you're that I mean, good, if... you're
0: going to the NFL, <laughs> right? That's the thing. You gotta weigh out your options. Like if you feel like you're an NFL player, regardless, and maybe not, but if you're like, if you think you're an NFL player, but you realize you're not in an opportunity to shine fully to your you know, your full capacity. Then yeah, I mean that's just some of the things that that I think you'd have to waiver as a college athlete. But the other thing is too, like I think it's weird that in in the world of like inclusive, you know, of being inclusive of you know every you know race and and gender and you know nationality and et cetera, et cetera, that you know so many things have gone on to, like, one, you know, recruitment. Oh, you spend X number of dollars on college football. You got to spend the same amount of money on women's basketball. You know, like, those, you know, like to make sure that things are inclusive or that the percentages line up as far as, uh, obviously, football, you know, is, is a significantly more expensive program, but percentage-wise, that they match up. But I thought it was interesting that only, what, five sports – fall into this hole you've got to sit. Men's basketball, men's Men's and women's women's basketball, baseball, hockey, and football. Every other sport you can do a transfer one time with no big deal at all. So why is it that granted NCAA makes a crap ton of money off those five sports, why is it that they are different than any other sport out there? Why is it different than golf or swimming or whatever the case may be?
1: Okay, so to me, it doesn't make
0: any sense. So there are once it comes down to money. <laughs> there are a couple sides
1: of this, right? Um, so, for example, Michigan's athletic director Ward Manuel believes it's unfair for the athletes in those five sports that don't have the same level of freedom as their peers. So he's looking to make sure that each player has at least the opportunity to change schools without any issues. Um, I, I'm going to go to the other side of this. So. Oklahoma's coach Lincoln Riley says and I'll sum this up so if you think about this when you get offered a ride because I guess we're talking about the top one percent right so you're offered a ride to the college to come in and they're going to pay for all of your your school your books your room and board I mean kind of everything the school can pay for legally, right? You're not getting a car, but just all the school stuff's taken care of. So you're getting your education covered. That's technically a contract, right? You signed a letter of intent, you're going to the school, you get there, you signed your contract and you signed it for the duration basically. Minus if you graduate and have that one extra year, they're they're not going to argue that. But you signed that that contract. Is it fair for you to walk out of a contract and be able to go to another competing school without an issue. Think NFL I mean, at this point, because NFL is probably the number one money gainer you know athletic sport out there, or athletic, I guess, money-making entity.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point. But it seems like... You know, in the NFL, they just you just demand a trade, and you just sit out <laughs> if you don't play for a team. You just don't show up, and there's not a whole lot a team can do about it. So, but yeah, I mean that's a, that's an interesting point. The team is committed to you know paying all this money up front to you, and has invested all this time, and energy, and now you're allowed to hop out, you know, without any kind of deal. And obviously, like you know, they're not going to have to pay out the rest of your education, but still. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. I think that opens up the door for some issues. Um, I mean, the other thing that, that I was reading is um, – I don't remember who said it. It was one of the ADs. Um, I, think, I think it was – actually, I think it was Michigan's AD, like you said a minute ago. He was talking about that um, of the those five sports, but I think it was uh, basketball, both men's and women, and football – that, like, 55% of all the athletes in those are minorities. So he's saying, like, I'm not saying this rule is racist. And I don't know if anyone else would, you know, think that the NCAA, I don't think that was their intention because this rule has been in place since, what, the 50s? Um, I mean, it's been a long time. I don't, you know, so, but he's saying what his his defense is, is he's saying that while he doesn't think it's racist, uh for this rule to be set in place that it is having an impact on a large volume of minorities so that's another thing to throw into but i think yeah what you brought up a second ago the contract piece is interesting because you know in you know let's take outside of sports if you sign a contract with a company uh you know you're legally bound to that contract um you know like i said i know when you're rich in the nfl you can just sit out and do whatever you want but in the real world you know, if you sign a contract with a company and you split out or you want to leave then you got to non compete, you know, you got all these things. that, And the non-compete is yeah. going to make you sit for a year or more in many cases um, to do nothing while you wait out that time to go to a competitor. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think you bring up a good point there. And that's certainly some things that are probably going to have to be discussed, you know, if this were to go forward. Earliest as they said, I think this could be adopted as 2021. So they got a little bit of time. But I mean, considering that we're only ten months away from twenty twenty one you know they this is gonna have to be done quickly to iron some of these details out
1: well i think the I think the major one I'm kind of keeping my eye on right now um Chase Bryce, who was the backup quarterback for Trevor Lawrence uh for the past two seasons, made his announcement official on Sunday. he plans to enroll in Duke in July after he graduates from Clemson, okay. So he's a grad student now at this point, and he'll have two years of eligibility remaining. Uh, So it kind of takes us out of this a little bit, but it's probably the most notable transfer I could find kind of going on. But he's looking to go over to Duke now that Quentin Harris has graduated, and supposedly he's, you know, I mean, call it what you want, Manning Brothers, he's getting to, to learn under David Cutcliffe. So if you have that opportunity, because I think that's another thing that plays in there, if you get the opportunity to go work with somebody like that, Duke or not, because they're obviously not a football powerhouse, but you know he'd place his last big quarterback in with the Giants without a question. Yeah, that's what, true. <laughs> through your connections, do you do you take that to go over to you know again another college? It's not
0: just about the money for you personally, but down the road. Well, the thing is, too, like at Clemson, he's probably he was still going to have to sit for one more year, you know, because they've got a starting quarterback in there that'll probably be next year's number one draft pick. Um, so right. I think if you're like, all right, my time's ticking here and I know I'm going to have to wait at least another year, you know, unless there's some kind of crazy injury or something, then, and now you've got a guy that, you know, is producing quarterbacks and has. Obviously, connections like you said to the Manning family and things of that nature. Um, you know, the as we said last week, the the football guru that is paid Manning, if you got some kind of connections there that could help you out, um, you know, I, I think it's a smart move. Um, I don't remember his exact story about his eligibility, but you know, I know it's, I think he is eligible immediately for, um, to move over, but so well, yeah, I, um, that's and anything. he's not exactly like
1: the most profitable quarterback either necessarily because what was it last two seasons a thousand just over a thousand yards nine touchdowns four picks and his probably i won't call his biggest game but the one people pay attention to was this year when um Charlie lawrence went out against syracuse they actually came back to beat them and i think he was let's see seven for 13 83 yards and a pick so he's certainly not Trevor Lawrence with you know decision making ability and we don't this is a big side note but again you've got a quarterback like that able to to do a transfer to another school even after graduation get another couple years in there uh, but again this is all before they've even tried ironing out where the money's going to come from so you know i think if you if you go back a couple of years because this is where i'll I'll end my note. I think if you go back a couple of years before we talked about players getting paid, you know, and really made that a reality when it was just just kind of an egg sitting in the nest. Um, I really think that you should give players the opportunity to do a transfer, maybe say it has to be within the first, you know, two or three, three years if you're a red shirt kind of thing. So you have to have like two years of eligibility left for an immediate transfer. Cause you don't always fit into every program, coaching changes, whatever they may be, you know, all this different stuff. You can always find a program that would love to have you. So give yeah, everybody one immediate too, shot.
0: Like, you, you know, my last part before you call it a, you know, uh, a kill on this topic, but like 80s transfer will come and go head coaches, come and go. You know, there's nothing that stops you signing with a guy and, and you know, we, his second year under him after be red shirted that suddenly he splits for a bigger job. So there's no loyalty from a coaching standpoint. And why should we force loyalty from the player standpoint as well? So it kinda kinda the the contract argument. But yeah, I think these are things that all need to be looked at for sure. Yep. Alright, so on that note, let's take a quick sponsor break. Uh, thank our sponsors for giving us this airtime, and we'll be right back to recap our predictions. Welcome back everyone to Season 2, Episode 24 of the Sports Talk Garage Podcast. Again, I'm John, here as always with my co-host Matt. Uh, again, Dave is taking the night off with uh, uh, not feeling well, so be you feel the over there? The plague. The plague, as I said earlier. <laughs> um, so real quick, I know we went a little long on our uh, Super Bowl and, and Big Ten stuff, but I hope you guys enjoyed that that content and uh, you know give us your feedback on the game. We'll certainly throw out a Twitter poll about MVP because I'm curious to see what you guys think about that for sure. Um, but to recap, week 21 games. So this is, again, the final week of this quote-unquote season for us and predictions. So, we're going to start a fresh next uh, week with a new season. And then, obviously, uh, we're going to try to bring in you guys as well. So, I think every week Thank we're God. going to throw out some Twitter polls for each one of our matchups. And we'll see how we compete with uh, you guys on Twitter and see if we just suck or if uh, if Twitter nation runs away with it, like our producer seems to have been doing this year. Um, so, first game, again, Kansas City Chiefs versus the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, This was uh, the Chiefs were favored by one, and they ended up winning by 11. So Chris and David get a point here. Matt and I rode with the 49ers. That part sucked. Um, Let's see. The second thing, Super Bowl over under. It was 777.5 points was the, the line on that one. It was so, so close. And if the 49ers hadn't been crap in the last drive, I think Matt and I would have gotten it. But, unfortunately, total yards ended up being 748. So, what, we we're about the 29 or so yards short. So, Chris and David unfortunately get a point on that one for Matt and I. Um, who will have more gross passing yards, Jimmy G or Mahomes? Um, Mahomes had to throw 69.5 more yards than than Jimmy G did. Um Let's see. Garoppolo had 219. Mahomes had 286. So, Chris and Matt, there you go. You guys got a point on that one. Unfortunately, I went wrong on that one as well. (laughs) Um, Who will have more? LeBron James points uh, from his game on Saturday or Patrick Mahomes completions? Mahomes needed 1.5 more completions than LeBron scored in order to win. So LeBron got 15 points. Uh, and Mahomes ended up having 26 completions. So, shockingly, I was the only one went with Mahomes on this one, and uh, you guys all went LeBron, so I got a point on this one. I don't know how that worked out. Uh, who had more? Zion Williamson points versus the Rockets on Sunday, or the 49ers versus Chiefs' first-half combined points? So, the first-half combined points had to be 4.5 more than Zion scored to win this bet. Zion had 21 points against uh, the Rockets on Sunday and the first half points combined between the 49ers and the Chiefs was 20. Matt, unfortunately, I got bad news for this one. You're the only one Mm -hmm. that went football on that one. Uh, Who will have more? (laughs) The Manchester City versus Tottenham combined goals on Sunday or the 49ers total touchdowns uh, from the Super Bowl. Side note, I did not in a million years predict my Spurs to win this game, but they did. They won 2 uh over Manchester City. It was a crazy game with some fighting, some red cars, all kinds of good stuff. So, great game. Go back and watch if you got a chance. Um, again, Manchester City and Tottenham combined for two goals, both of them going to my Spurs. And the 49ers also had two touchdowns. So, this was an even split, no winners. Um, Who will have more James Harden points plus rebounds plus assists versus the Pelicans on Sunday or the longest touchdown of the Super Bowl in yards. Harden must have 1.5 more uh, of those combined than the longest touchdown to win. You combine all three Harden had 59, which was a pretty strong number. I was afraid it could be more, but you know, it wasn't too, too bad. Unfortunately for Matt and I, we went touchdown or we went uh, football the longest touchdown reception or play was only 38 yards, unfortunately. So the winners again are going to go to Chris and David. So to wrap up our first season of prediction game, um, unfortunately, our producer, which again, I, I don't know how, how I feel about this, he picks the game and he's, he wins. But our producer, Chris, is uh, going to take the championship here with uh, an overall record of 51, 36, and 2 actually finished the year quite strongly considering where we are, where we were mid season there. Uh, followed by, let's see, David and Matt, you guys both are tied at 44, 43 and two. And even though I was in second place for most of the season, I ended up finishing dead last at 42, 45 and two. So it was, uh, let's see what, uh, nine games behind Chris, when it was all said and done. So, That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed those prop bets. And uh, it just shows you that apparently Chris is the only one that uh, can bet around here. So, when we do go to Vegas, I guess we'll just let him pick and we'll just throw a bunny at his hands. So,
1: (laughs) But, uh, all right. Crazy. Stupid. Stupid. Nobody got a long touchdown. Like, it was just that ridiculous. And uh, I almost had the points thing in the first half needed one stinking touchdown or two field goals and and both teams just like pooped the bed
0: i really thought that we'd have like at least one long reception or perhaps like a punt return or something like that something explosive would happen but yeah it was not meant to be unfortunately so anyways on that note we'll throw the checker flag uh matt what you got going on this week
1: honestly you know got a week off then uh well xfl starts um i don't know man just kind of just kind of in that last period now that football's over time to start paying attention to college basketball uh, a little bit more often and see where that goes as we get uh pushing toward march and hit march madness um, I don't know, are there any, uh, endurance races coming up? I know we had, uh, the Australian race on Sunday and that was pretty exciting. I didn't know that, um, who was that? Uh, uh, Bentley yeah. had such a nasty sounding four liter V8 twin turbo. That thing sounded like a mix between a dragster and a big diesel. Yeah. That thing <laughs> sounded. that,
0: yeah, I watched a lot of that 12 hour race as well. I uh, I didn't I honestly didn't even know it was coming on. I just happened to stumble across it on YouTube and was like, oh heck yeah! And um, that was the first time I've ever actually seen a race at that particular track. I've 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 driven on that track and like all kinds of sim racing and stuff, but I've never actually seen a race, yeah, uh, at that ra- at that track. So that was cool to see them climbing the mountains there and that extremely like basically one lane going up the mountain. Um, so that was mm-hmm. pretty damn cool to see. So. Yeah, no, unfortunately, no no role endurance racing coming up uh, for a little bit. Obviously, NASCAR is kicking off uh, in what a couple of weeks. So, you got the XFL kicking off, I think, what next week as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm looking forward to seeing that for sure. Uh, it should be exciting to see some of those roles that we talked about a few episodes back. If you missed that, go back and listen to that. Where we break down pretty much all the, uh, the big differences between the XFL and the NFL. And honestly, I'm really dang excited about the XFL rules and how uh, you know explosive they should be from a game uh, perspective. So, um, yeah. And for me, um, uh, probably sipping on some Mame Bay Brewing. I appreciate you bringing me that. I had a nice cold hey, breakfast stout last night, so probably grab me another one before before hit the, the hay tonight. But um, yeah, not not much going on from a sports perspective. You know, see if my uh, my Blackhawks gonna continue to push the playoffs, but we'll see. We need a little bit of a uh, of good love here in Chicago with sports. Been been a rough year, so um, anyways, all right, buddy. Well, on that note, let's call it a night, and I'll uh, talk to you next week. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Take care.
1: You too.